Welcome to the Rider Ninja Podcast with your host, Joe Scott Coe. This podcast is where we talk about arts, language, culture, education, and the writing life. Join as we separate the crazy from your life and sort out what's encouraging from what's discouraging, what's safe from what's unsafe, what feeds you from what drains you. Remember, the goal is not just to get through, but to get forward. And now, your host, Joe Scott Coe. forward thinking. Today on forward thinking, I want to talk about the question, what's gender got to do with it? Every once in a while, I get the opportunity at my community college to teach a women in lit or a women's literature course. Sometimes it includes writings by men and women, and we also have a course that's just for works written by women. And a common question, if you're talking to somebody uh, who's not at the institution, sometimes a common question that students have is why have this course at all? This is a tricky question to answer because you don't want to reinforce certain misconceptions. A few of these misconceptions would be that this is a class for women because women are, quote, better and therefore somehow deserve special consideration, uh, or that this is a course about how all women are victims, or how about all women are the same, ignoring differentiations and intersections of race and class, uh, social status, region, ethnicity, microculture, all of those questions. And it certainly is not supposed to be a course about how, quote-unquote, we hate men. In fact, one of the interesting things about a class of images of women is that it always implies somehow not only a viewer and a context, but also a picture of a man. Who is the man and where is he? Um, this type of class is relevant because it can shed light on where certain kind of stories and narratives that we tell each other, certain types of expressions that we have that we don't think about, where do these come from? What do they take for granted? And what might we do to change or alter the types of outcomes that come just merely through repetition and frankly through ignoring? Uh, in late January, there were a couple of interesting pieces in the New York Times that brought this kind of to light and, uh, again, raised the, raised the idea that this is a relevant question all of the time. Jeanette Winterson had a really great um, essay. It was the cover story in the New York Times Book Review that was looking at blind spots in the myth-making about the author uh, Henry Miller, who's kind of seen as a radical. There's a new biography of him and his work called Renegade. And it really questions how, in Miller's story, in in our myths about Miller, we look at him in contradictory ways and kind of sweep aside certain types of uh, interactions that he had with women and certain kind of claims he had about his own identity, and that's kind of interesting. So the blind spot is, well, where are the women? Well, here they are. Why aren't they considered inside that myth? So that was interesting. And in the same issue of the newspaper, Andy Isaacson had a great essay on film trailers, and the premise of the essay was his investigation of why producers hire male narrators because they think that women's voices lack, quote-unquote, credibility. And the entire piece starts off with this great question that is still so relevant now, and the question is, which gender is the voice of God? You could even say that our current, quote-unquote, debates about contraception, we're mostly hearing about these from the, the right side, the Santorum side, the Gingrich side, 
of our current presidential race, but it's also coming up because of Obama and certain types of decisions he's made in regards to Catholic hospitals. But these debates are really interesting because people tend to talk about, well, these are very retro, as in retro back to the 50s or retro back to Mad Men, when in fact we could go back hundreds of years to examine the women's place, quote-unquote, or their role, quote-unquote, compared to men's in narratives and stories and real-life interactions and the real-life, real politic of sex. So... What I would like to know from you, what I'm interested in from you here at the Writer Ninja podcast, is if you would send me an email or send me a note, go to joscottco.com, that's J-O-S-C-O-T-T-C-O-E.com, and if you would come to the site, and if you would share with us a film, a book, a poem, maybe a painting or an artwork that you think is interesting in how it depicts men and women, either in some type of interaction or it's some kind of a voice and it's maybe counterintuitive or you think that it depicts something that we aren't used to seeing, or maybe it's a work that's obscure in the sense that no one has ever talked about it or seen it. It doesn't make its way into kind of the mainstream circulation. I was recently on a trip with my sister to visit my sister in Washington, D.C., and we went to the Women's Museum of Art there. And one of the most interesting paintings that I saw was took up almost an entire wall, and it was a picture of uh, the notice given to the King of Spain when the Armada was defeated. And, of course, what that painting depicts is the defeat of the Spanish patriarch by uh, Queen Elizabeth I, now that's pretty amazing as a painting. Here it is, this massive painting, and this one man is handing to another man this scroll, and around it is a pink ribbon. I mean, it was so, so interesting. Not, not a woman in the painting, all men, but it's about the defeat of the Spanish Armada. Never seen that painting before. Didn't hear of that artist before. So this is what I'm looking for. I'm curious from you. So come to joscotco.com, J-O-S-C-O-T-T dot C-O-E dot com. And uh, leave us a message, and we will continue the conversation there. Now let's tune in to Ninja Chat. I recently had a chance to talk with Stacy Davies, who is a writer and artist in the Inland Empire region of Southern California. We go back a long way, back to our teenage days, actually. And she's currently the arts and culture editor for the IE, or Inland Empire Weekly. She's a pop culture writer and critic for the OC Weekly, Culture Magazine, and Art Scene LA. She's been published in Bust Magazine. And she's received quite a few awards for her writing. Um, she also has done uh, voice work. She directs and writes plays. Um, and uh, she did some work as well for Jodie Foster's production company, which is really interesting. Now, one of the things that she's doing right now is she's actually designed a whole lecture series for the University of California Riverside Extension program and the whole the whole lecture series is based on women in film and uh, she calls it the iconic actress lecture series and she has broken it down based on different decades and so on so we had a chance to talk uh, not just about um, why she did that and, and, and what has happened as a result of it but why is necessary and what inspires her about the particular actors, actresses that she uh, features in these discussions and what, others, what her, her audiences get out of it so Stacy is just really smart, really sharp, and, and it has a really interesting lens. So give a listen to why she thinks that gender is relevant in film. Tell me about the film class that you're teaching now. Okay. 
Um, basically, I'll tell you how it all kind of started. Well, well what it is, it's a 10-component series of lectures about films that star women who are iconic. So I've called it iconic actresses. Great. So each class is six weeks, and there are ten of those classes in this entire Iconic Actresses series. And each one has their own theme. Each class has its own theme that we cover for six weeks. Um, Basically, I have... I'll just tell... I'll tell you the titles of them in order because it's sort of... um, I didn't actually create them in order, but... Uh, I have Vamps and Vixens of the Pre-Code Era, 1930-34, Femme Fatales of the 40s, Desperate Dames of the 50s, The Social Issue 60s, The Independence, which is the 70s, and then uh, the classes I have not yet taught are um, 80s Ladies and uh, Sex Over 60. Oh, which great. Is, should be crazy. Great. <laughs> so because you, America hates seeing old people kiss. They certainly don't want to see them have sex. Right. So um, I have a couple of instances of, of American films like that, but most of them are European. And they're totally graphic, um, very artistic, and very beautiful. Uh-huh. Because <clears throat> I'm not an ageist. So you have, so you haven't you haven't include you haven't taught that class yet, but you've b- kind of built this you've built the series <clears throat> towards that, so you would repeat then all the way through. Again. Right, and I've repeated already because honestly, the first class I created was the Independence, the 1970s was the first one, and then I went backward and started to, to that, and, and, I, and then passed. and I skipped the 50s. So I actually haven't taught the 50s either. I skipped the 50s because I was having a hard time finding. Um, powerful women roles um, in the 50s where women were not only the leads, but um, they actually did something and they had a life and they weren't just girlfriends and wives or hookers. Or furniture. Yeah. yeah. And just, you know, yeah, just yeah. decoration. So um, so why do you think it's important to do a series about women in film? I mean, you know, we've um, come a long way, baby. So yeah. isn't it How over? Many, Aren't we so done? Tell me, tell me, <laughs> name, to, name for me. Um, Name for me as many films as you can made in the last couple of years that have women leads. The Iron Lady. Iron Lady. Yeah, well... La Vie en Rose. Right. Voltaire. Right. Um... Stepford Wives. The remake. <laughs> the, the, it doesn't That's count. Terrible. Doesn't count. <laughs> the, the, um, the travesty. No. So, okay. So your point. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So name. So right now, if you look at films, I, right. my my thing about film right now is, oh, um, which film starring five guys is that one? If you tell me the title of a film, is you know which film starring all men in every single lead role did you see this week? Right. Okay. So <clears throat> that's bad because um, not only is it artistically and creatively uh, limiting and it's not doing anything for our culture, it's, not, it's also not helping women. It's certainly not helping young women or young men. Right. Who are now, we all, and people are like, oh, it's just a film. And you got to be kidding me. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, it's media. I mean, right. the, the effect of television and film on our culture is phenomenal and it's, it's, um, powerful and film is the place not just for funny things like bridesmaids, which actually has a very serious um, component, socio-cultural component to it. Um, it's not just um, a place to have fun, but films reflect 
not only what we're doing in our culture and how we're treating people, but they can be a propelling force for change. Think of all the Sidney Poitier films. Um, think of Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. I mean, these were films right. that were made when it wasn't popular, <laughs> you know, right. to have interracial marriage or whatnot. So, right. um, so I think for women, well, I would think that for women it would be clear why there are women's, uh, why this course needs to exist, but a lot of women are oblivious to the fact that there are no women in film. They are shocked if I try if they try to name some, and it doesn't even bother them, which freaks me out a lot because right. I don't understand why they don't think about their gender and and where and how their gender is represented in their place in society. I had this wonderful women in lit um, professor in my very first year of uh, Cal State Long Beach back in 1992, I guess it was, uh, named Marilyn Stackenfeld, and I remember her saying. There are women who sit in the circle of women, and there are women who sit outside the circle of men. And it stuck with me for 20 years, right? Um, and it doesn't mean that when you sit in the circle of women that you have anything against men. It's not about men. It's about women. Just right. because you're into women doesn't mean you don't like men. Right. <laughs> I right. like men. Right. I just am really more interested in women and what we're doing and... Um, so I guess the, the, the reason this course came about, not just my own personal feelings about film, but back in 2009, my son came home from UCI, and um, I had been shoving film down his throat and his little brother's throat forever. And so he came home, and he said, hey, I'm taking a film class. And I'm like, yay, I'm so excited. Yay, he's going to really study film, right? So I said, let me see your syllabus. And I look at it, there's a single woman, not one woman, I think they had clips of Clute, Jane Fonda oh. and Clute, for a, a, modern, a modern noir. Clips. 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 <laughs> and I freaked out. So I had been at UCR Extension um, teaching nonfiction writing, creative nonfiction writing classes, and when my um, boss, Sandra Richards, asked me if I would teach for their extended learning, lifelong learning program I said I would but I didn't want to teach writing but I wanted to teach film and I had never done this before mm -hmm. I worked in the film industry briefly in my 20s and I went to film school for a little while and I've been a cinephile just by mm -hmm. birth right <clears throat> so I've seen everything I know everything about every star and yeah every character actor and all of that and I think about these things in a cultural sense I don't just moon over a movie star. Right. I actually think about them in the context of, of our culture and what we're doing and the messages that we get. Um, so it was challenging to just to put this together and, and it was scary because I didn't know if I could and I have and, and I started like I said with one course then I kept going and they just kept requesting more and all of my class sizes started doubling and tripling and I have people now who you know said Anything you do, I'll, I'll see. It doesn't matter. So, so who takes your <clears throat> class? And, and how has that, like you're saying that the volume has, has changed. But yeah. like who is, is it mostly women of a certain age? Is it a very diverse mix? Is, do you have men that come in? I do have curious? men. So what, what's the class I do like? have men. Who well, comes in? this program, it's Osher. Right. So you have to be 50 or older, which actually kind of scared me because I thought they're going to know a lot more hmm. than I, I'm going to know because they're older than me and they have lived and and I do learn things from them like when I taught social issue 60s I asked them questions about the pill mm -hmm. and what it was like right. when the pill was invent you know created right. and marketed um, and they have the women have tons of things to tell me um, mostly my classes are white women around the age of 
65. So just retired right in that window. I think so. Yeah. Um, they're all very smart and really fun. They're not whatever, you know, there's so many stereotypes about groups of women and what women talk about and all this giggly. It, it's just not true. You know, it's yeah. just not true. And they're smart. And I have a few men who've been with me since the beginning, so about three years now. And they're great. I yeah. love them. And they're very um, smart guys, and they totally aren't offended when I make jokes about, you know, how women are perceived or treated on screen or when I tell them very serious things. Some of my classes are fun, like Vamps and Vixens is really fun, and right. Femme Fatales is really fun. Um, the 60s class was very serious and very heavy, and yeah. I warned them in advance. But they liked it because it. I think um, personally, I found from me do, from doing this that um, I feel better about myself and being a woman and think that there are more things I'm capable of and that I actually am smarter than I used to think I was. And mm -hmm. um, and I hope that some of the women who take my course go home and think, you know what, I don't have to take a back seat. I don't have to be afraid that someone doesn't like me. I can right. assert myself. And it's okay if I'm, you know, because they are from a different generation than I am. And when those messages were um, much more prevalent and really rules you couldn't break. Right. So I'm liberated compared to them, right? right? Even though many of them lived through the 70s, they all said they had children and never saw a single film. So I right. thought they would have seen everything I'm going to show them in the 70s. They're like, no, we were raising children and we didn't get involved in any of that. So now they get to experience it. Yeah. And boy, so I think sometimes they get really angry. And I think, good. Yeah. Be on fire a little bit. And when you go home or when you're out and you're treated a certain way or someone says a certain thing that you used to allow, stand up for yourself. Right. You know? Right. Um, and... Uh, another reason this is important is because we have plenty of men in film, as I mentioned. And if you look at any film retrospective, any film retrospective, in L.A., New York, smaller cities, it is 99% male-driven stories. And it's not because there aren't female-driven stories. And I'm proving that that's not true. And right. that's why people keep taking my classes, because they all say we didn't even know these films existed. And these are films, some of them, in which the female won the Academy Award. These are not dark little, right. you know, sleeper films. Indie, They're, snuck it in. These are mainstream starring famous, famous women who right. won many awards and no one has ever heard of them. I mean, The Pumpkin Eater with Anne Bancroft. No. Wow. Right? And yeah. it is a really important film culturally, and it's a brilliant performance. But we She's, know The Graduate. Yeah, you know The Graduate <laughs> when she plays the, a the, cougar right, who's right. seducing a guy. Right. And why right. do we watch it? And it's his story. It's That's why we watch story. it, and she ends up being the evil witch. It's his so. story, and everyone thinks she's hot, and everyone and every guy says, I would have let her seduce me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But hot and evil. Hot and evil. Right. 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 Yeah. Well, women who want sex are evil. These are yeah. and, and these are the things I tell my class and we laugh. So I had there's a yeah. lot of sarcasm. Right. Today we watched a really bad film. I'm doing my grand. I forgot two classes actually that I also teach. The Grand Dame Guignol, which is um, the older <clears throat> actresses in the 50s who started all the horror films like oh, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Oh yeah, right. So right. we watched uh, the themes. There are many themes in this genre, but one of them is that middle-aged women <clears throat> are either frigid 
or if they want sex, um, it has to be some kind of perverted, monstrous sex because it's really right. wrong for women um, right. over 45 to want to have sex. It's disgusting, in fact. Right, right. <laughs> and they all pay the price. Barbara Stanwyck wanted to sleep with this younger man in our film today, and the death and destruction that, that she came pays. from that, yeah, is, is just, you know, right. staggering. Wow. So um, there are a lot of really interesting cultural messages, and I point them out, and, and my women laugh, and mm -hmm. they get angry, and they go, yep. <laughs> right. And the men understand. Yeah. And they understand, too, and they, they think they really get it and think, okay, because I'm not making it up. Right. It's right here. It's right I, here. I didn't do it. I'm just pointing it out. It can be a box for them as well. It's like, yes. do you really want to be in entourages, entourage? Right. Do you want, who are you? The pot smoker Absolutely. or the pretty boy or the... And know. men have... And, and, <laughs> so. and I believe in men's lib too. I mean, I, I think men have a whole host of thing, things they encounter. And when they come, when those issues come up in my films, I definitely point them out. I am, I am not out to, um, you know, destroy anybody. Why do you think it is that um, that, that binary of... Um, Oh, so you're just going to be, you want an excuse to be an angry bitch. You want, you want an excuse to complain. Why do you think that that, that, that talking about just, just noticing what actually isn't there, mm -hmm. noticing what is there, what's taking up space, what's not allowed space, and even just to look at it, why do you think that sometimes that's where the conversation goes? You mean that, that other people would perceive? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not talking about you and your class or you and me. I, I mean that someone might say, outside. oh, it's just a film, or mm -hmm. oh, you're just, you know, you're just whatever, well, think, and then fill it in. I think that that can be boiled down to just the basic fear of, of the other. You have anyone who isn't, any, when anyone who doesn't walk in someone else's shoes, and that really is impossible, um, Depending on your personality type and your fear level, right. you will uh, translate that into attacks. So, um, you know, I could never be a black person. So I can only understand that experience to a certain degree. And um, so if I listen to someone who's black telling me about their experience, it's open. It, it's up to me to listen to them and really hear what they're saying. Now everybody's going to have a different experience, but what I shouldn't do is listen to them and say, oh, bull, she didn't really clutch her purse in the elevator when you walked in. They didn't really right. follow you around the liquor store when you walked in. Now maybe there are some people that exaggerate, but there wouldn't be the stereotype if there wasn't some truth to that, if right. it wasn't an experience that a lot of people have. As far as women, I, I really think women are um, the last greatest hurdle of discrimination that we have to overcome. I think it's so embedded in our culture that that it's just really unacceptable to say that women any longer are shafted. I mean, look at, I mean, I don't know if you encountered any arguments when Hillary Clinton was running against oh Barack my, Obama. Oh my, oh my, I don't even But boy, wanna, every yeah. time I yeah. said, look at how they're shafting her, yeah. I would get, you know, the other side saying, oh, you're being too sensitive. Oh, you're, you know, it was it was kind of this gaslighting on a grand scale. Oh, you absolutely. Know the term? Oh, yes, of course. Um, yeah. I just, I always, I loved the film Gaslight. Yeah. And I didn't realize. Genius. I didn't oh, my realize God. that the term was an actual, almost clinical term. I have a book that's called The Gaslight Effect. So when it, people say it, yeah. movies are just movies. There it is. Gaslight became an actual clinical term for a man trying to make a woman think she's crazy. Right. Right. So it, it does right. matter. And so anyway, um, exactly. I don't know why, why anyone would feel that way about women. I think um, I am a feminist, and I don't have any problem saying it. 
And anyone who doesn't know what a feminist is um, should really think about it <laughs> more deeply because to me what it is, it's just a woman who doesn't allow her gender to be used against her. It has nothing to do with men. Right. I don't care about men. Right. Men, are not, men are not a part of my world in that way. Um, let them have a great time. I have lovely men friends. Yeah. You know? yeah. um, being a feminist is about supporting women and yeah. really making sure we're all okay. And um, so that's why I do what I do. And I think that there are many, many men who are very on board with that. Hugely on board with that. Oh, and if you put it that way, if you ask them that way, right. it's very hard to argue. And then what, that separates it out from the, like the wacko from the, <clears> oh, <throat> you know, you're right. It isn't yeah. about me. And I think there's something, <laughs> um, and I don't want to lay this at the feet of straight people, <laughs> but I'll have to tell you the one thing that's really great about being gay, and there are not a lot of great things about being gay in this world, but one of the really interesting things is that when you have a bad experience, when I have a bad experience with a woman who breaks my heart or treats me a certain way, I can't say, man, women are really crazy. Women are this. I can't make this hmm. blanket, horrible mm -hmm. generalization about women because I'm a woman and I know it's not true. Right. I know that that woman was crazy. Right. That this woman was mean. Right. That this. I can't say that. And yeah. it's the same for gay men. And maybe when you're the opposite gender, if you've had a really horrible experience with a mother or a grandmother or a boss or a sister or a lover or a wife and you're a different kind of person not everyone reacts yeah. the same way you can go women are just uh, i hate women i hear my straight girlfriends talk about men that way all the time Interesting. and they'll say things to me like um god and don't you you're you know don't you hate men i'm like i don't hate men i have no reason to hate men i don't sleep with men yeah. <laughs> I don't have a male boss. I love my dad. Right. I have wonderful relationships with men because right. they're not intimate. Right. So maybe that's it. Maybe and so maybe you have a lot of guys who've had some bad experiences. So women are suddenly dumb. And But then you could flip that chick and, flicks. Yeah, yeah. And it's so, totally true the other yeah, way. Yeah. So and, and my girlfriends are like, Oh, yeah, I guess so yeah, you don't have right. a problem with men. I'm like, I don't. <laughs> well, I like them. So I'm sorry you are having such a terrible time. <laughs> with this one. With this but, one. He yeah. sounds awful. Go yeah. find one that isn't awful. Yeah, right. Quit. Stop stop doing that. Exactly. Like, what's the, the joke about the doctor? It's yeah. like, doctor, it hurts when I do that. So stop sticking right. that thing in your yeah. eye. Whatever and that's that true. And that's kind of true stuff across the board. I mean, now we're getting a different area. But believe me, I keep picking the same wrong woman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all do it. You keep picking the same wrong kind of person. You do it no matter who you are and you but, but I can't blame it on gender you see right so it gives me a little bit more of an insight right. into why we have some of these messages because I can't experience that right no matter what happens to me so um, okay so so before mm -hmm. before we um, stop tell me um, some things that in, inspire you actually and it doesn't have to be related to film unless oh it God. unless it is you were talking about flying before right I mean but things that, that in, encourage you or flying, I don't flying doesn't inspire me flying <clears throat> makes me exhilarated hmm. um, you mean inspiration like make things, yeah, that, things that make me think that that the world isn't so awful <laughs> How about that? I like that yes yeah what makes me think the world isn't so awful <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's all about framing. Well, I have to say, I know this is not, not isn't going to be too obvious, but film certainly makes me feel the world isn't too mm. awful. I watch some of these stories that are created in performances and characters, and I think, look what we can do. And I think that's what I get from art a lot. Um, really good art, really good performance pieces. I think, God, we're really amazing 
And um, that makes me feel better about all of us and that we're really not the horrible, horrible, addicted to technology, rude people that we often appear to be in real life. Um, I really love young people. I especially love uh, kids who are in junior high hmm. because it's the most horrible time in your life. And any of my friends will tell you, if we are out and I see any boy or girl who looks between 12 and 14, I am on them like a cheap suit. I'm just like, so what are you doing? And what do you think? And all I do is pep talk them. I'm just like, you know, well, you seem, you're really smart and you're very charming. Maybe you should try student council. Maybe you could do this. Then you can control your world a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm just like, da, 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 da. And they're like, come on, get away from that kid. <laughs> so it's really bad. Um, so children of that age particularly inspire me because they, I know what a hard time they're having, and yet they're still so uh, willing to, yeah. you know, look at the horizon and see something beautiful. Um, I don't know. That's a lot. That's good. That's a, kind of it. Yeah. I like I like anybody who goes against the odds, and so my favorite people are these kind of. <clears throat> I mean, I like people who, well, they, I guess they all went against the odds. Mae West went against the odds. She was 40 before she even appeared in a film. Mm. She was overweight, not particularly pretty. And she sat up every night and wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote to get better and better. She wrote all of her scripts. Um, she rewrote all of her dialogue in her other films that she was in. And this is a time when women were not allowed to do this. This was crazy talk. And she was too old. Right. Too old to be in right. films. Um, there was a woman called Eva... Eva Miller, Mrs. Miller, who was this 60-year-old woman who'd start taking music courses at the Claremont Colleges back in the 60s, had this very bad operatic-type voice, and her church basically asked her not to sing in the <laughs> choir anymore. So she went to the Claremont Colleges and started taking classes, and there was this young man who thought she was a hoot, and she was just a housewife. And he asked her to sing some popular music of the day. So he recorded her singing like, I don't know, Day Tripper or something. He took it to Capitol Records. They signed her to a record deal. Mm. She made five albums with this trademark horrible vibrato wow. and all, and singing the Yellow Submarine and Chim Chimichurri. She was on the Ed Sullivan show, hanging out with uh, Nancy Sinatra, and Elvis Presley sent her a wow. telegram of congratulations when she debuted on the Ed Sullivan show. And she did this for about five years, and then she stopped, and she uh, started teaching some opera classes, and then she moved to L.A., and you could see her at the music center, I guess, going to these shows. And so she's an underdog. She's someone who really right. shouldn't have had any kind of special thing happen. Right. And she just went with it. She just thought, you know what? I know they're laughing at me, but I like this, and I like what I'm doing. She was very serious about her music. Yeah. So that inspires me like crazy. And then, of course, like Ruth Gordon, who oh, yeah. won her oh. first Academy Award when oh. she was like 70 and said, oh, I can't tell you what, how encouraging a thing like this is. You know, <laughs> and she had been writing yeah. screenplays for Hepburn and Tracy for years. She's amazing. And never could make it because she was mousy and homely and she wasn't good looking to be in films. And she just kept persevering at her talent and finally got her Oscar for Rosemary's Baby. And people were like... That is so cool. And then she had a nice little career. So I guess anybody who doesn't give up and anybody who just... And I don't mean that in that fake way. I know. I hate I know. those slogans and I hate that peppy, talky, slogany stuff. Just... Mm -hmm. Shall I go yeah, on? No, 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 it's okay. That's okay. But <laughs> just yes, I got have faith. Just have faith. Just have faith. Shut <laughs> yeah. up. Yeah. You right. know, it's just luck of the draw. Just keep trying. Do your best and luck of the draw. And maybe you'll get it. Maybe you won't.
but at least you tried. Inspirations, tricks, and methods of escape. Before we go today, I want to give you one more resource to help you think about this question, what's gender got to do with it? I was coming home from somewhere, and on a plane, I saw this little clip from Boing Boing, which is a great pop culture and politics site, um, about something called the Bechdel test, and I hadn't heard of it. The Bechdel test was named after a 80s lesbian cartoonist named Alison Bechtel, and I will link her website, which is really interesting, um, on, on my site, joescottco.com. But she came up with this interesting test, and it asks three questions, and there are three really interesting questions that you can apply to any film that you watch, in fact, any TV show, in fact, and then it, that, the answers would engage you with this question of, well, what's gender got to do with it? The three questions are, are there two or more women in the film that have names? That's pretty important. Number two, do they talk to each other? And number three, do they talk to each other about something other than a man? Whether you, whatever the answers are to these three questions doesn't mean that the film is good or bad or high quality or interesting or you love it or you hate it, but the fact that so many movies fail this test does show, it, it's an artifact about just the lack of female presence in films unless they're kind of the sexual sidekick or they're just obsessed about something that's related to attracting or keeping a guy. So what I'll do is I'll put the Boing Boing link on the website also, along with the uh, Alison Bechtel website address. So come to joescottco.com, check out Alison Bechtel, check out the Bechtel test, and check out Boing Boing. Really three great resources to keep your mind going. Thanks a lot, and we will see you next time. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Rider Ninja Podcast. Visit www.joescottco.com for more information, including this episode's show notes. Send a question, comment, or message through the website and follow Joe on Twitter. Her Twitter handle is at joescottco. Check out Joe on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash teacher at point blank.